You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, Downers? Welcome back to the show. Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm not in my studio doing uh, podcasting today. I'm in the studio doing guitar tracking for the Emory record, and I am knee-deep in pedals and guitar production, and i am probably got to put up a picture of what I'm up to here, but it is good stuff. I went to the pedal shop yesterday, got really inspired, by, bought a new Strymon pedal. I got borrowed an old English amp, a uh, Vox amp that I'm loving to death, and I've got this whole thing rocking and rolling. I can't tell you how much fun it is to play guitar when you're my age, and maybe it sounds silly saying my age, but I feel so, yeah, I'm not better at guitar as far as my technique than I used to be. I probably have a little bit better timing, but I feel mature when I play guitar now, and I don't get to sit there and do it and put on, you know, I don't get to sit around and play guitar all the time anymore, but when I do, I've got to trust my instincts and go with it, and it's just been so satisfying. I'm super excited for you guys to hear the new Emory album when it comes out. Let's see if I got anything going out. Look. See, that's it right there in the background. I know you're not going to be able to hear it that well, but I am, I'm in it. Oh, yes. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, and so in keeping with talking about guitars and pedal, oh, yeah, I know. You guys also asked me a ton, am I going to break down all the Emory songs or some of them or all the production when it's time? And, of course, the answer is yes. I cannot wait to do that. These songs will be done. They're going to mix in a few weeks. And uh, that's it. It'll be done. And then I will be sharing tracks with you guys. I'll do exclusive premieres. I'll break it down here and all that kind of stuff. But but in keeping with talking about guitars and pedals and all the stuff that y'all are interested in, we're going to talk to Matt Hoops today. Matt Hoops is a guitar player for Reliant K. He's my friend. We toured with him. I talked gear with him a million times in my life. I call him when I'm interested in pedals and other stuff that he knows more about than me. Now, Matt Hoops has started his own pedal company. He's custom designed his own pedal. It's his company's called 1981 Inventions, and it's really badass. So you're going to get to hear some real technical stuff about pedals and circuits and electronics and distortion and how it works. And if that's not your cup of tea, just skip it. You ain't going to like it. But if you like technical bullshit like that, here we go. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's met Carter. Yeah! <clears throat> you know what I was thinking I was going to record this on was a, uh, I just bought the Shure microphone that fits in the mm-hmm. lightning port. That thing's pretty awesome. good, the MV something or another. Yeah. I mean, really, the main thing that's awesome about it is that you can uh, cause it. You can basically turn down the gain input. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, phone. and it'll sync right to Dropbox too. Yeah, so totally. it, the software in that thing is really good. So you can take, you can record right into it, and as soon as you're done recording, it's available in Dropbox. Yeah, to, that's to unbelievable. Share. It's it's really good. I do ads with that sometimes, where I, if I have to do an ad later or an intro, nice. I'll just do it on that, and it'll be right up and done, easy to edit. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're definitely one of the, you know, there's this certain thing that happens when you're out on the road and meeting other musicians, and it's just there's the gear people, and you're one, uh-huh. and you're yep. you're one of them, and I've been one of them. Sometimes I'm more one than than other times, but 
you're one I think of, that you're, too. you're yeah. one of those guys and everybody knows that you find them in the other bands like the guy is like oh that's the guy i can talk to about rap oh yeah i always i always connect whatever. yeah i always connect uh who who is super into it and who yeah. doesn't really care you know <laughs> yeah you it's can, fun you can identify it right away you know you look at somebody's gear and ask them a question and then you stand around at sound check and 30 minutes goes by and that's uh-huh that's my memory of being around you is how easy those times and then, and that is fun to do i mean it just is uh-huh. fun to do i mean I, you know i spend a lot of time kind of reject I, I reject a lot of over seriousness about gear because i think so much of it is misguided, totally. misguided or something and, yeah and so i've spent a last i don't know five or more years just acting like i don't care about gear but i started doing pedals i put a pedal board together again um a few years ago. No, I put, I put a pedal board together last year, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm a gear man again. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you you hitting me up, and you were giving me a hard time. You are like, anytime I see a gear post from like any company, your name is always yeah, there already like right. in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I started. And I was like, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm the worst. Yeah. Well, I started following you know some of the pedal companies when I was trying to figure out what stuff that I wanted to put together for this kind yeah. of like just you know getting back into a, developing a new sound for myself and really deciding totally. on stuff that I'd been avoiding for a long time. And so I started following all these gear companies and stuff, and I, it took me a while to notice it, but I was eventually like you know it says who liked whatever every post I could ever find <laughs> you had already seen it and liked it from every gear company anywhere. <laughs> That's too good. I love that. Have you not ever spent time in the rejection of gear mode? I mean, have you just been all into it for the last 20 years? Oh, no. I've definitely gone through season. I've gone through years of my life without buying a single piece of gear. Really? So, yeah, I've gone I've gone fully in and out of the spectrum for sure, you know. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You just get fatigued or burnt out mm-hmm. or, or run out of money or <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, it's not been like an ongoing, like this is always, always my thing, but I always do kind of come back to it. So maybe yeah. there's that part of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a first love kind of thing. To me, it, you know, the technical stuff, it goes all the way back to my deepest of childhood. It's like getting my first Nintendo in, in eight, 1985 yeah. or six and learning how to hook it up and picturing the, you know, the fact that, wait, this cable contains the video and it's going through here and plugging into the, you know, just thinking about how stuff works is some of my earliest memories. And then being able to, it was the kind of thing where I feel like I got, I would say this is good parenting advice, but I feel like my dad was really encouraging to, and acted impressed that I could figure out how to work the VCR and Nintendo and stuff. And I bet you it was just him being lazy, thinking back on it, and and just trying to be encouraging. So I would do, like, oh, you're good, you know, just being silly at telling me I was good at that. Or maybe I intuitively was good. But either way, I wrote that down in my brain as, wow, I'm smarter than my dad at this, which is quite encouraging. You know, That's cool, yeah. And that's the way I've always felt about pedals and gear and stuff like that. Well, it can be figured out, and I think I've got a knack for it, and then I've just been on that road kind of ever since kind of thing. So That's so cool, man. How about you? Do you, do you, how long have you been into technical stuff? Oh, yeah, I think, I think most of my life as well. Uh, I'm trying to think back to exactly when it started, but I've always been into, you know, electronics and gadgets and, like, different types of things like that, you know, computers even, mm-hmm. and, like, just just kind of like interested in all of it, you know, and from time to time. And, you know, I can remember being into gear. Like I remember moments when I got my first tube amp, you know, when I got my Mm -hmm. first distortion pedal, when I got my first things. And I remember, uh, I think that's the main thing that keeps bringing me back to being excited about gear is like 
finding a piece, whether it's a guitar or a pedal or an amp or like a piece of software or like whatever that makes me want to play the guitar, yes. you know, maybe yeah. makes me want to play in a certain way. You know, like I love picking up an instrument like a guitar. Uh, like I have a uh, Les Paul Jr. And I just pick it up and I just want to play like rock and roll power chords, you know, like Green Day. Mm -hmm. Just I just want to like play. A, it makes me want to play a certain way. Or like when I pick up like an old Fender Jaguar Jazzmaster or something and it just makes me want to like do these little like surfy like upstrokes and like hit on the like use the tremolo bar really yeah, hard. And yeah. Just surf, like play. Yeah, it makes me want a tremolo bar one play surf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes me like want, like when I pick up the guitar, it makes me want to turn on a reverb, you know? Mm. So like, I love that about instruments. And I feel like that with this pedal that I've worked on is I've really tried to be intentional on like, when you hear it, it almost makes you want to play in a certain way. You know, it uh, almost causes like this nineties, uh, like hard rock, like, switching your brain to flip you know oh that's really interesting yeah i'm glad you said that because that is what the gear is supposed to do like there's the super technical thing but you know if you really were a pure technician all you would do is be in the lab and still be soldering all day every day yeah, or, or yeah, developing yeah. algorithms for you know amp modelers or something so that's not really the thing the thing was that the technology always represents or speaks to or puts you down a path of creativity which is what the exciting mm -hmm. part is like if you can get in the gear is inspiration the gear is facilitation for a real abstract possibility that you can make a reality you know and that's i think that, that's a super cool way yeah that's yeah. a cool way to say it so our pe pedals though our pedals been some of your favorite stuff like you know, I think of you as, as a pedal guy. Like when I was trying to put oh, together a pedal yeah. board, I only two only two people I could think of. I was like, well, I'll talk to the main guys. That, 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 <laughs> you know. Andy from Lowercase Noises is uh, uh -huh. really amazing with that stuff, and you are the two yeah, people I, I think stuff. of when yeah. I need pedal advice. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and I've uh, you know, I've owned so many pedals, and I find oddly sometimes when I go in seasons of selling them, you know, like I'll sell twenty or thirty pedals at a time. <laughs> you know, I'll kind of how just do you go do? Through Let's stop like, there. Though, how do you how do you offload gear? I, I have a hard time uh, doing that. I I am not uh, incredibly sentimental about any gear. Mm -hmm. There's like one guitar that I kind of care about. There's one amp that I kind of care about, and part of that reason is that. I know if I were to sell those, it would be really difficult to replace in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Uh, whereas most pedals, most gear, uh, can it, it just kind of is what it is. And I know every you know every single tube screamer sounds different. Every every single Marshall Eight Hundred sounds different. Mm -hmm. But like you can kind of replace stuff for the most part. Uh, so uh, to me, gear at that point becomes more about style and like how you're using it. Like even in a season, like I may sell a bunch of reverb pedals that I'm not using in a season, or I might sell a bunch of fuzz pedals I'm not using in a season. Uh, but to me, it, it becomes more about style and more about actual function. You know, you kind of look at it, you're like, well, this is a perfect version of this big muff mm -hmm. uh, fuzz pedal. And, you know, I recently came, came across this thing and uh, was talking to a buddy and I had gotten a great deal on it, but, the, and this is like the best one that I've played. It's like this mid nineties, tall font, Russian big muff. And it's, it's perfect. And I was talking to a buddy and he, he was talking about trying to get one. And I was like, Hey, I, ha I own this pedal It's the best one I've ever played. Uh, I haven't used it in like four years. 
and mm-hmm. I'm ha- and so I just sold it to him like right there. And it wasn't that like I wanted to sell it. It wasn't even that I was trying to move it. It was just that I was I was just like, well, I haven't used this in yeah. forever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can get another one, you know. It might be more expensive. It might have been a bad business move for me to do that. Yeah. But when when I see how happy he is when he plays it, I'm like, yeah, that's my that's my friend, you know. Like I'm glad I'm glad he's doing that. And so that was that was even part of the uh, in the time of me feeling like, yeah, like me doing, making a distortion pedal that is specific to what I want and what I want to do and bringing people that kind of joy, mm-hmm. uh, is awesome. You know, like, I love that. I love that side of it. So your new pedal is, so 1981 inventions, you can go, that's a website. Yeah. You can go right there if you want to get, get yeah. into that. But so you've made your own pedal. I'm real curious to, first of all, why distortion out of all the pedals to make distortion is the one let me I, let me tell you it's what i think choice. about distortion distortion pedals first and you can you can try to help me Shoot work it. through this so i've always been an amp distortion guy uh for a few reasons one it's simpler it's easier it's harder mm-hmm. to mess up and i just feel you know maybe just the the lame old thought of the tubes or what's doing it or something which mm-hmm. may may not really be true but it's just the idea that this marshall cranked up when you put it you know every I, I like to put all the knobs straight up and then go from there and tweak them and man when you get the amp roaring it feels like it was supposed to be roaring not come from mm-hmm. some little pedal earlier in the board so i've always been a big amp distortion guy but I've also been a two-channel player where I had a clean and distortion. I've had it with foot switches or two channels or even two separate amps I'll use for clean and distortion. So I've always yeah. thought of the distortion as a full-on thing. If it's on, it's all the way on. But I've recently moved to a one-channel. I'm a one-channel guitar player now, which I just, oh, I'm so happy I finally arrived here. I'm playing That's a, awesome. a Vox AC-15, and I'll get mm-hmm. it to crank on the hot mode so that if I play it hard it will break up some, and if I play it easy, I've got every other dynamic control. And so That's I've great. got that almost to work, and then I just now I just use w- what I would just consider a little boost on top of that to put it all the way into heavy when I'm playing you know, fully distorted stuff all mm-hmm. the way. But it's just a little boost on top of all of the gain staging and the you know distortion amounts and dynamics coming from my right hand. And my gosh, yeah. is it musically satisfying to have that much responsibility and power and control and not be switching back and forth like you know clean to heavy yeah oh man i love that I thus love i've always re- avoided distortion pedals because i want i love i love that style i love that approach to guitar and i actually have been also working on an amp prototype Whoa. that is that when i listen to it it's a smaller wattage amp it's based kind of on an offender marshall territory mm-hmm. uh but it chimes like a vox and so it's like doing all these things that my favorite classic amplifiers do you know my three favorite classics you know and it's like taking these good things from it and it's just two knobs just volume and tone and so i don't mean to walk into the amp side as well but my head is my head is exactly where you're at when when i played this amp that uh my longtime amp technician showed me and it's a design he's been working on for years it it just blew my mind it like because of that because of the amount of dynamic and when i play it i think this amp is for everyone who says they hate a tube screamer or a rat pedal or, you know, like whatever it may be, this amp is for you, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's so much 
dynamic range, uh, more so than I've maybe ever felt, uh, where you just dig in and it actually distorts, or you play cleaner and it's clean. Mm-hmm. And then uh, have to be I felt good the same. to do that though. Like that, I think I an felt... immature version of me playing couldn't have really yeah, yeah, grasped yeah. that. I just needed it strong both ways or whatever. Yeah, and I think uh, it just all depends on like the type of amp, even like how many watts you're running, like what type of gain staging is on your amp. Uh, but I also, um, yeah, so I tried every pedal I could think of through this through this prototype amp that I have, and it sounds phenomenal. Everyone that's heard it has just been like, "Wow, this is like you told me what it was, but when I played it, I could tell. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt it." And uh, I also agreed that running just like a light preamp type boost on top of it was like the most optimal sound, mm-hmm. you know, for that type of setup. So I love I love that your head is in that space, man. I think that is like a really inspiring place to be as an electric guitar player mm-hmm. is to just just do that just run like full on and then push it over the top if you need you know and i think that's a that is a really inspiring place and and like to go back to what you just said about uh you know like maybe earlier in your career you wouldn't be able to do something like that and i agree uh myself i was i was thinking about it a while ago and i think i may have tweeted this at some point but i said uh I feel like I haven't been able to use effects pedals. Uh, I haven't been able to use them tastefully. Yeah, right. Until about three years ago. Yeah, no, (laughs) I agree. I never even use effects, really. I've just used a tiny delay on something for certain things. But I I agree with that. It's like, I know I'm a clown if I put on this goofy-ass flangers and chorus and just I don't know what I'm doing. I'd just be doing it to be doing it really and mm-hmm. and I know it's not good enough so I'll just not do it but I'm starting to be that that trying to be tasteful and be able to really believe that I, that I could do stuff in that realm but tell me about the the pedal is, is the pedal okay. what, what do you call the pedal is 1981 inventions is a company so I imagine yeah. you're going to do more stuff beyond this but this is where you're starting totally yeah I'm just calling this one DRV which is the first uh control for drive uh mm-hmm. and it is uh it's just a distortion pedal. I mean, it's literally, it's a three knob distortion pedal. Um, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's not, uh, this like crazy thing that has never been heard before. It is not like an engineering Marvel, but I will tell you that what it is, is, is very specific sounding, uh, to how I want it to sound. It is very, uh, unique. Uh, whereas I feel like it, it does things in a lot of settings that I, have not heard in a pedal and there may be a pedal out there that does it. Uh, and also it's inspired by this idea of like, yeah, just like wanting to play, you know? And like, how can I, I want to make something that's going to inspire me to play. And I'm going to want to make something that, uh, you know, feels like an extension of like where I want to go, you know, like as a guitar player, like, you know, it's literally like kind of like trying to make my own sound, uh, but trying to like bring other people on as well, you know, like kind but of how like do you, open how it up. do you do it though? I mean, I I, I understand pedals, uh, I understand uh-huh. mod pedals. You know, when you mod a pedal and put yep, something yep. in, I even understand how you can get a new chip for something and tweak the sound uh-huh. or whatever. But I don't actually have any conceptual understanding about how you technically create a sound yeah. or know what some sound and what circuits or where does the actual things that end up being what we describe as tone. I, yeah, I yeah. What happened? How do you do it? I would love to talk about, uh, even just before we jump into that, I would love to talk about, uh, like I've, I've owned rats for years. I've owned two screamers for years. I've owned 
many iterations of mods of both of those. I've done mm. personally many iterations of mods, you know, like the Keeley mods, Wampler mods, you know, Josh from JHS is doing some great stuff with rats and tube screamers. And, you know, like people are doing amazing work and they're, and they're changing the dynamic of it. And I think that once I, once I heard a modded rat pedal, uh, I think even when we were touring with you guys, mm-hmm. you know, back in like 06 or something, I was like, okay, this is it. This is where, this is where my sound has been going is this modified version where they changed the clipping section and they added more low end and they kind of like made it, made the pedal almost into something else. Okay. So just stop right there. You're yeah. Talk yeah. about a rat being modified yeah. to tell me those things uh-huh. that it modified again. You said more yeah, low so, end. So that means you yeah. put another, you either replace another value. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, uh, what, yeah. Cause I don't think people, are, if I'm having trouble here, I know other people aren't following mm-hmm. what, what's inside a pedal. There's, there's, that's a, that's just a regular pedal with a bunch of circuit and transistors and there's a board, a stamped yeah, board in there. There's mainly, yeah, printed circuit board, PCB, and there's mm-hmm. mainly, uh, like two types of things. There's uh, there's capacitance and resistance, you know? So the capacitors kind of spark and the resistors pull down, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, what happens is uh, a good distortion signal actually needs to take away certain frequencies in order to sound as good as it can. Okay. And that's why people always say, you know, a tube screamer is, oh, it's lacking on the low end. It actually is cutting low end on purpose. That is part of the design uh-huh. that it does. Maybe a little bit too much, maybe a little bit too much for my taste even uh, in that specific circuit. But what I'll say about this is I've owned a ton of modified versions of pedals and people have done some really cool stuff in modifications. Uh, but what inspired me to make this pedal was I bought a 1985 and it's called the white face wrap, but it's like the inverted uh, graphics colors on the front. That's how you can tell the difference. And they made it in 84 and 85. And almost anywhere you look on the internet, they'll talk about how this was the same sound, nothing changed. Uh, but as soon as I heard it, I, I said, this sounds different than my other rats. You know, this reacts differently. This has a different gain characteristics. The mid range in this is different. And I'm excited to play this one. And even to the point where I had uh, later 80s rats, I had a reissue whiteface rat, which is supposedly in 2010, they reissued it and supposedly did all the components the same. And it doesn't sound the same. Like I was literally, I was leaving for tour and I was taking my 185 rat into the shop to get it fixed because it was like that important to me on the night before we were Mm -hmm. leaving to have the one rat that I knew sounded so good. And the guy was helping me fix whatever was wrong with it. it was like a foot switch or something and uh he was just like laughing at like how much i cared about this he yeah. was like this is and this is like two or three years ago so anyway having that pedal really inspired the direction of this and where it went from there was not any traditional mods you know i'm not changing the way that the rat pedal in its original form i'm not changing the way that it clips or distorts the signal i'm not changing um i'm not really uh even adjusting the amounts of low end i'm not doing the things that people do when they mod a rat pedal i'm not doing anything from uh this dude brian wampler uh, has a pedal company he wrote a book that is genius but it kind of goes through uh all of the pedal mods that you what can is, do basically yeah, what is that book let's let, let people know if they're interested oh yeah yeah it's actually an ebook uh but if you just search brian wampler ebook wampler? i can't remember what it's called yeah wampler he has a company called wampler effects okay 
Um, but I met him when he was starting out. Uh, he used to be, his company used to be called Indie Guitarist. And uh, he is like one of the founding fathers. You know, like, it's like him and like Robert Keeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Keeley stuff. I have some. Yeah, do, dudes have just done great stuff. There's uh, Mike at Analog Man. I mean, I, there's too many dudes to even oh, shoot, yeah. shout out here. You know, people yeah, that, sure. you know, and those guys, what I love about those guys, especially, you know, even, uh, I, I love that they love playing. You know, mm-hmm. I love that they, when they do a mod or a design or like a thing, I love that they're talking about uh, how it makes them want to play. And so right, also right around this time, I found a 1981 Tube Screamer and I spent way too much money on it. I just, I honestly, I kind of just liked the box and I was doing this whole like vintage pedal collection. I just started just buying old pedals like from the 60s and just all sorts of like random pedals. And I would kind of do research on like, what pedals were going for, what they were valued at. And I would always just be sure to buy them at when I saw a good deal. Mm-hmm. So I'd wait around, <laughs> wait around for when I saw a good deal because I knew that if, if I get this pedal and I don't like it, or if I get sick of it in a month, I can sell it and make a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever I can, I can always flip it. And so I did flip a lot of them. Uh, but this 1981 tube screamer, I found one come up and I think I paid like $450 for it wow. or something, which is way too much money. But I mean, now I would sell it for double that. Really? You know? Yeah. The, what, what is so special in that, in that 81 Tube Screamer that makes and it? So, so I don't know if I get to the bottom of this. I'm part of a uh, Facebook group of like guitar builders and pedal builders. And, uh, you know, so I posted in there and a bunch, I posted in there about, uh, as soon as I got it, I was like, Hey, I plugged this in and I played it next to my TS nine and my TS eight Oh eight reissue and a bunch of other pedals in the tube screamer family. And I think there's something going on here that is amazing that I love that. It's like super inspiring to me. Like, I feel like this may be the most perfect overdrive pedal I've ever heard. And, and I said, the most and expensive. I, and I just, <laughs> yeah. And I just opened it up and I was like, thoughts on this. You know, and so I had a lot of friends that build pedals, that build tube screamers, people that know a ton about it, people that have way more experience than me. And they were all explaining how, you know, there's only one part differential from a TS9 and there's only, you know, the difference of op amps. People are posting videos of like what happens when you change the op amp and really how, how minute of a detail that even is uh, mm-hmm. when you change that specific part. And so, you know, it was it was all this funny stuff, but I, in my head, I was like, I still think this sounds different. And I had played it for 15 or 20 people. I was, I had a studio in my house at the time and, uh, even had turned it on when people had said, I hate tube screamers. And I turned on this one without them knowing and got the sound and out. And then I would tell them to look down at what pedal they were using. And I was like, it just sounds better. I don't know what it is about it exactly. And, uh, one of my good friends, Philippe, uh, Herndon that owns Caroline Guitar Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes amazing pedals, uh, really great, uh, you know, from across the board. And he wrote me this very long email, which actually I should I should have looked up before this because uh, it was super interesting. And he explained to me a lot of reasons why my old Tube Screamer would sound different than a new one. And he kind of just went through this whole thing. He was he was explaining even things like uh, the way that they did the circuit boards in that era. He said, it's basically the difference of running like three feet of cable versus running 18 feet of cable. Mm-hmm. He was like, so it, you know, to most people, it might not sound different at all, but is there a difference sonically? Yes. But it's agreed you know? upon that, that people like that. Thus it's value being 
Yeah, exactly. Uh And so I I think part of it is just the vintage collector aspect of it, for sure. You know, it's cool to have an old box. It's cool to open it up and see all these old components and things like that in there. And uh, I don't know, like I've thought about selling this pedal because it's not even on my board currently. Um, But I wonder if I got another one, if it would be as good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that weird thing. So let's talk about the insides of the pedal still a little bit more. I'm going to see if I can gain a little bit of uh, understanding about it. So distortion itself, I -hmm. I think I have a pretty good understanding of. uh, Harder to explain to other people, but I think of distortion as a sine wave, is a a sound coming on a pure frequency as if that was really happening anyway. It's a multiple frequencies combining in a guitar signal anyway. But then when the level gets so high of dynamically that it cannot uh the the circuit can't contain it the tops of the waveforms and that sine wave get chopped off and that is the sound of distortion that uh, that basically is 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 the description Uh of distortion so and so like when you look at a rap pedal when you look at what it's doing to the sound waves it's chopping off a whole bunch mm -hmm. like on both sides of it and then so it's almost like you have to add it back in it's and also what happens when you chop off the top and bottom and i didn't realize this until i started designing pedals um but it makes your it makes the signal way quieter you You know so that's losing amplitude yeah you're literally it's like turning down the volume because you're clipping off part of your actual waveform Mm -hmm. uh and so that was one of the main things that i wanted to fix in my version of this classic distortion type you know um so like to me there are like four main types of distortion there's like a there's like a preamp booster there's like a uh tube screamer or overdrive let's say there's like rat distortion uh and then there's fuzz which is more like squared uh kind of waves fuzz is the most extreme as far yeah, as yeah, what fuzz, it does. And fu- yeah, fuzz is the most, it just takes your signal and just destroys it. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it, mm-hmm. it, you think of it more as like a square wave almost where distortion can be more musical and uh, it's because mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make everything squared off. It doesn't buzzsaw everything. It just clips the edges yeah, of it. Thus clipping. So if you have a regular microphone in a preamp and you see it go yep. red a little bit and then it, it, it. it stops sounding louder, it starts to sound distorted, that's clipping. So uh-huh. when people are even talking about clipping. so And you're literally clipping off the tops of the waveforms yeah, at yeah. some point. So, so yeah, to, to go back to what you were saying earlier, that should sound bad. Yeah. Like in, in it, that, that should be avoided in any context, whether you're recording a microphone or a guitar or a drum whatever that should that should be avoided and you know like how is a little uh you know an op amp and some jfets and you know some pieces that you use in a in a pedal how could that possibly sound better than a full like tube rig with power tubes and preamp tubes i don't know but it sounds different And, and so that that's where i'll say uh i don't think that there's a better or worse i do think that there's a different yeah i do think that using my pedal or using a rat pedal, I think there's a specific place that you can get to that you can't. I've not heard an amp that gets there, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll say I'll actually say the same thing about a tube screamer or an overdrive. Uh, I don't know if there's an amp that that gets there exactly. Uh, and there and there are ways to recreate amp circuits within a pedal. You basically just you know 
replace the preamp tubes with JFETs and replace the power tubes with op amps. And, you know, you kind of like, and, and you can actually draw out the mm-hmm. schematic of like an AC30 or, you know, I people see. always release these, like I have a Mesa boogie pedal, you know, or I have a Dumble amp in a pedal, you know, and they actually are in most cases taking the, exact schematic of what's happening within the amp and replacing it with smaller parts. I see that aren't tubes that are based. Yeah. They're replacing it with solid, solid state parts. And like that should sound bad. And it does sound bad. If you go like straight into like a recording console with that, it's going to sound really harsh and Mm -hmm. not nice for the most part in most cases. But I think that there's something really magical that happens when you start hitting the front end of a tube amp. Yeah. When you and it has to be the right type of tube amp. It has to be has to have enough uh, enough headroom. It has to have an uh, a, the impedance of the amp has to be correct. Where I think and I first noticed this when I had a top hat amp back in the day. It was a kind of like a Vox AC30 mm-hmm. style amp, and I realized that I could get to a different place on the amp if I turn the amp up to almost breaking up, and then I hit it with the boost pedal. Right. Versus just turning up the amp more. Right. It's I realized I, I was a different place that I was getting to gain-wise. And so that that kind of really changed my uh, my view on everything. And when I go back to it, when I go back to like me as a guitar player, and this is kind of what also why I wanted to start with the rat, is that to me, if there's a quintessential sound that has become my own, uh, and mainly for in the band I play in Reliant K, uh, it is the rat pedal. And I have, I, you know, I have a funny history with using it. I've switched to different things over the years. I've used different things, that, but the rap pedal always comes back. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like an interesting, uh, even, you know, like when we did our mm-hmm album, uh, we took a little bit of a different approach where we took the two main guitars are two Les Pauls and uh, there's a left and a right channel of both of those. And those are running through a rat pedal through my Marshall. And then there's a little bit of Mesa Boogie direct fire mixed in. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of Silvertone uh, 1484 mixed in. Nice. And so that is the main sound of that record. But it is like 95%, 90% of that signal is Marshall, Rat, uh, Les Paul. Yeah. And, and we use that for every single song on both sides of the guitars. And that was the first time we'd ever done that. I had used rap pedals before, but I felt like when we did that record, I connected to the rat. The rat became like a bit of a signature for me. Like it felt like at that point, like I couldn't play a show without having a rat pedal on my board for that era of song. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's, that is good. And I recognize that sound. I mean, I, you know, I, I love to think that your sound comes from you more than the gear, but for sure, yeah, that's, that's the, some of the yeah. practical stuff about it is, there's no doubt about it, that the gain staging, there's some stuff you can't make magic with if it doesn't do what what you need it to do for the way that you play. Do you think the that thing that you're describing there is the, you know, when you're in a tube amp and you're using that amp distortion, there's a part of that distortion that's coming from the power section and a part that's coming from the preamp section. Uh-huh. And yeah. that so you're getting you're getting more of the action to happen in the preamp section that way at mm-hmm. least without getting as much of the character of the the power section when you boost well, it going it, in. Uh, when you boost it going in uh yeah you're you're distorting the preamp section on the front end. Yeah. And then also if you hit it hard enough it technically I 
I think I, I don't know the exact answer to this, but it I think that it does hit the power tubes, but it has to be hitting hard enough. So mm -hmm. like most most pedals that clip already are not going to actually hit your power tubes. Uh, but that's where this whole thing of like people stacking into overdrives. And mm -hmm. this is one other thing I wanted to hit on uh, with my pedal. So the way that I run my board currently, I use a boost pedal and then I use a tube screamer style pedal. And then I use a sick as distortion, which is, I kind of use for like more of like a mid-level uh, distortion by Bondi FX, who he actually is the one who designed my pedal with me mm -hmm. uh, for 1981. Uh, and I think John is a, just an incredible genius. Uh, and, and then I use a rat after that. Wow. And, and what lot. happens, so I have, I have those three and I rarely ever use two at the same time. But what I always do is I leave the boost on in front. And if you could hear the difference of what my tube screamer sounds like uh, with and without that boost hitting the front end of it, it is pretty astounding. It just sounds like like you can make it sound good and you can make it sound uh, unique. And you can especially hear this on the palm mutes, which I do a ton yeah. of. Uh, but like when I'm playing the tube screamer, I could be palm muting a note or a chord. And I'll click on that boost, just a little bit of boost in front of the tube screamer. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's just fat and wide and warm. Without and getting like much louder. A little more musical. It doesn't yeah. get louder really yeah. at all. It just because it's adding a gain stage is what it's doing. And then it's still hitting the master volume of that tube screamer. Yeah. So the volume's not going up, but I bet that's one of the I bet one of the things going on there is it's adding different frequencies, like more low or more whatever. Yes. And yes. then still squashing them down inside. Well, that. and it's it's doing the same thing that your amp does when you hit it with a boost. Mm -hmm. It's taking that pedal to like a little bit different of a flavor than it could have Flavor's got on its own. For it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's a so what that has been a staple of my board for probably the last four years or so, uh -huh. and that has really drawn me to as I make this pedal that is a recreation of my sound what I actually did was design a preamp that is inside of my pedal. So like when you turn it on, there is a, a preamp going into the rat essentially is so, so it's already doing that thing. And I've tested this a ton and that was actually one of the main things that um, I prototyped and moved back and forth on and tried a thousand different values for it. Uh, not actually a thousand, but a many uh, was uh, deciding the value that the boost would hit the pedal at. Right. Because I wanted that to be set and I wanted it, I, I didn't want to add another knob and I didn't want to add an internal trim pot, which I was originally going to do, where it's basically a knob that you can turn with a screwdriver. And, and I didn't want people to be able to mess it up because it is so slight. Like if you turn it just a little bit, if you use just a little bit different of a value, uh, it becomes, it drastically changes the character of the pedal. Yeah. So when I finally landed on the value that I felt was perfect, uh, one of the things I was looking for was what happens now when I run my boost pedal in front of it. Uh, and the answer is I can't hear a change in characteristic like I like I do on all of my other pedals. Mm -hmm. I can't really hear that on on my pedal. It almost sounds like maybe it's turned up a little bit. And so what I actually do on my on my board now, uh, I actually left the white face wrap on my board after I finished this pedal because I felt like this whole time I'm trying to replace that pedal and I feel like I made something that sounds different enough that I can use both. You know, like <laughs> I literally can use both. And then the other weird thing that I did that I, d I didn't think I was going to do is 
my pedal is the only one that is before the boost, the preamp pedal in my because it's self-contained. Chain. It doesn't need it because yeah. it's self. It already has one in yeah. front, and so I'm actually hitting it. I prefer it hitting it with the boost afterwards, and I still leave the boost on, and I just turn down my level a little bit. But um, you know, there there were several things in doing the pedal that I felt were unique. And this was one of them was putting a, uh, preamp section. Uh, it's also internally, uh, voltage double to 18 volts. Um, so it's like you're running it at 18 volts Mm -hmm. and, um, it, I don't know, it's just, it's a unique take on it. And, and ultimately the boost section of my pedal is based on like the old MXR micro amp, you know? So I wanted that. that. Yeah. I wanted that to even feel old, you know? Uh, I want it to feel classic. I want it to feel, and you know, you're not even hearing the boost by itself, but it does affect the character of the rat pedal uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and then, you know, just like a few other things that I did to the pedal that I felt proud of, uh, I wanted to dial out um, any amount of like, you know, like when you hit a chord and you just let it go for a while, and after after you know ten seconds or so, it just gets hiss. Yeah. It turns into like high. Uh, so I was working with, yeah, I was working with my amp tech and, and he was asking me what, what do I not want the pedal to do? And I said, I don't want it to do that. This is the, my prototype was totally doing it. And so what we did is we internally, uh, resisted the top end by a lot. Uh, we were pulling out different amp parts. He was using this thing called a decade box that, uh, allowed us to put that into the prototype of the circuit and just kind of click around on this box. Nice. And we could try all these different values and you could hear when it, what it was doing if when it was getting too dark. And we finally landed on one. And uh, we ended up replacing that one amp value with like four resistors on the pedal so that we could use all like the smaller size uh, of equipment. But I think that was one of the most unique things that we did was was filtering out that top end. So really when, when your signal gets chopped in my pedal, uh, it's like you're turning down the tone knob real quick uh, mm-hmm. right before it gets t- right before it gets chopped. So it's distorting, but it's distorting like the meat of your sound. It's not distorting like the super highs. Yeah, and I think that allows it to uh, have like a really nice, like sweet, clear uh, characteristic. That and and that's one of the most unique things. And um, working with Jono on this, he's from Bondi FX. Uh, he was very stoked on this change because he's, he's actually, he said he's in the process of writing a blog on this and like what we did. Uh, he's really stoked on this change because he felt like uh, what, what we were doing, he was like, man, I'm running tests on like what's happening. And you know how people always want the, the old LM 308 chip in their rap pedal. Uh, he was like, ultimately people want it cause it's slow and saggy and like kind of mushy and it kind of lops off a lot of your top end. Mm-hmm. So it makes it smoother in that Less harsh, yeah. it cuts highs. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what we did on this pedal was uh, we recreated sonically what the good LM308 chips do. And what the, the 308 chips, is, they're not currently being made. And the ones that are made, there's a lot of like weird counterfeit ones. Half the time they don't work. They're just very... Uh, they sound very different from one to the next. Whereas now we're using more of like a standard op amp, um, but we are running it uh, 
we're cutting all these all these high frequencies, which actually make it sound like a 308 chip. That must be so satisfying to look down at your pedal and know what the components are in it, you know, and that you, it's super you cool. Know, not yeah. only just know, but have have designed it. That is very cool. I'm the it's same way fun. with the uh, with that micro amp you mentioned. I got one yeah, I love from the micro Dallas. Yeah. Uh, from Lakes on Fire and uh, City and Color now, I guess. But Dallas Green, he got me onto the microamp uh, and was using it in front of stuff. So I got that yeah, I and was micro. doing that. And then I've moved into, I use a Keeley Clean Boost, which is the Keeley. I think of yeah. that as the Keeley version of that. And uh, it has a just it has just a knob on the side. That's all. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you, there's no knobs on the top of it at all. It's just the switch. And then the knobs on mm -hmm. the side. And then you can pull. It's a pull, which gives it an extra. I don't actually know what it does, but it's more of a distortion element to it than just a boost. But using yeah. that pedal at seven in front of any amp is just, that's, I just. It just makes it better. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just can't. I just, it's my favorite. It works in front of any amp, but especially the way I've got it staged out now, I am just so happy with it. That's super cool, man. But I would love to try this 1981. It looks like you're out of them. Are you out of them? Can you send I do, me one? Yeah, I can send you one. Uh, I just ordered more, so probably in like a week or so I can send you one. How do, how do you do manufacturing and stuff? Like, I, mean, uh, I build it all here in my basement. You, you put them all together yourself? They're all yeah, handmade by you? I do every single thing at this point. And, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like when I, when I came out with this, when I dropped this pedal, I was like really unsure of how to do it. Uh, I was really unsure of like how to move forward with it uh, in general, in a lot of, re in a lot of ways. Uh, but anyway, I got 200 enclosures and I was trying to decide what to do. And my buddy had this idea to just drop them uh, like basically announced to only my mailing list. So I didn't even make a, make an announcement that I was selling them or anything. And I made them live on my site at about midnight and sent out an email just to anyone that had signed up saying, Hey, it's available now. Uh, I'm going to do this first run kind of special. And I put a hundred and 150 enclosures up for sale and they were all sold out by the time I woke up. Oh, you know, amazing. I, but so now I you got it. a lot of soldering to do. <laughs> well, I've already I've already shipped out yeah. those orders. How long did it take you to put together 150? It's uh, the closest thing I can relate it to is is like mowing 150 large lawns. Uh -huh. That's what it feels like. So like, there's kind of like a mental and physical thing that happens, um, but also you get really good at it. Yeah. You know, like also uh, like I, I'm and I'm learning how to simplify my my process and how to uh, make things better, uh, more efficient, um, how, how to do it uh, more quickly, but also uh, just in, in a better way, you know, in a way that will last longer, in a way that will um, be more solid in the construction. So, you know, one of the main things uh, that I do that takes forever is uh, putting all the pieces in the circuit board and soldering all of those. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I'm moving toward uh, probably in the near future, just so I can create more. I will likely move those. Probably the first stage will be hiring people locally that I trust with a soldering iron to help me do those. And then also eventually having them done at a board house, uh, basically computer soldered, uh, which will be better quality. Uh, and then I, basically, I would just wire everything up after that point. 
That's good. Do, do you um, get a sense of dread when you had to start? Like, oh, this is going to be my next three hours here or two hours of work. No, or, no, I actually love it. Just, I love, you love being sitting down with the soldering iron and like having a night's I, worth of work to do. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I, I, and the thing that I love about it, it's it's similar to finishing a, mowing a lawn, mm-hmm. but you finish it and there's like this sense of creation that you get where you're like, uh, you know, an hour ago, this pedal didn't exist and now it does. Hell yeah. And now, and now someone can play this and that's cool. You know, like I just made this thing, you know? So there is definitely a sense of like, there's like a, uh, a good feeling that you get, you know? And, and honestly, I love building. I love, yeah. I love the part of it. It's, it's been in some ways like very humbling, frustrating, exhausting, uh, but also I feel like I've learned a lot, I've grown a lot and uh, I'm thankful for it, honestly, you know? Um, but moving forward, I, I, I want to be smart about, uh, being humble enough to know when it's time to hand it off as well, you yeah. know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy doing, I enjoy wiring boxes. I enjoy doing circuit boards. Uh, I enjoy the whole process. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. I always flip back and forth on those things because I love doing technical work that's, I don't know how to describe it, but editing drums or engineering is similar. It's like that, yeah. And I love to do – I just want to know that I'm not going to do anything other than this for the next eight hours or something. I can sit Uh there and do it and just do it. It comes – you know, when I had to start making priorities, like should I be writing a song or spend time Uh with my family, and that gets real confusing. Like why am I editing drums here or or why am I I soldering, fixing these mic cables? I mean, come on, what am I doing? But I like it. I, you know, I, I, I think that's the hardest that part. That that's the difficulty for me is feeling like there's not enough hours in the day, right? You know, and someone told a song me, and that more important than wiring electrical yes. for my office. But I just want I want to put I got a bunch of electrical work that needs to be done in my office here. I have extension totally. cords everywhere, but I want to put the outlets in and I want to do it with the conduit. And I just wish I had a day and a half to do electrical yeah. in my office and the time tune everything the, else out, but. I have yeah. better things to do with a day and a half, I think, but it's so satisfying. <laughs> I don't know. And no, it is. It is. It totally is. So let's do a few more things that are yeah, man. about pedals that that people that I bet you you can clear up real quick for people. Um, do whatever you so want. Tell people about true bypass and not true bypass and buffers. That's a territory okay. I don't think people totally get. Okay. Uh, I've I've done both of these hard. I've gone all completely true bypass. I jumped on the boutique bandwagon of the early 2000s and bought all full tone drives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, I was like, uh, I would even send pod- pedals in to be modified, like to be true bypass. Uh-huh. And once I finally attained that goal, and I was only running six or seven pedals at the time, once I finally attained the goal of true bypass, I realized I was losing so much signal, just a crazy amount of signal in in my pedal board versus plugging straight into my amp and just an insane amount of high end I was losing. And also, and and so then I was like, Oh, well it must be my cables. My cables must be bad. So Mm -hmm. I've got all Mogami cables. I learned how to build like little and solder little cables. (laughs) And I like, so I had, and my entire chain was Mogami and I was like, okay, now finally, finally, figured it out the bottom of it and it still was bad it still was like not great and so this is around the time uh 
What were you seeking in that tooth in that boom you said when everybody was trying to save their true bypass and what's good about that? What were you trying to to accomplish that in the first place? Like why did why did you want to do true bypass and what is it? I wanted to do true bypass just because I wanted I want to do things all the way. You know that's that's how I designed my pedal. Like if there's ever like an easier way to do something that maybe doesn't sound as good, I'm not going to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's no reason for me to do what I do. Uh, And that was the same thing with building with designing a. a pedal board uh, was I was like, I just want to go all the way. I want to do the best job that I can possibly do. So it, it drew me into this idea of true bypass of like, I want my tone to be as unadulterated as possible. I want it to be uh, just amp into cable into, you know, guitar, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. It's just like a funny, it's a funny thing. So, uh, this was around the time it's probably around the time we were touring again. Uh, and I spoke with, uh, this guy, Mark, who was, I think still is a guitar tech with Howard Benson when we did our record with him. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm still pretty close with him. And I called him at the time. I was like, what is wrong with my guitar signal? I've gone to all these lengths, you know, I've done these cables and he was like, Oh, you need buffers. And I was like, I thought we were just getting rid of buffers. That was the whole point of going through bypass. And he was like, okay, well you don't need bad buffers. You need better buffers. And I said, okay. So he sent me to this random site in Canada called access electronics. And I bought two buffers from them and, uh, I just mounted them straight to my pedal train board and, all my problems were fixed. I was only going to use one at one point just on the out of the pedals, but I realized that putting one in front to like kind of help the signal go through all the pedals also made my sound better. And still it wasn't exactly like it was, it didn't sound exactly the same as plugging my uh, guitar straight into the amp, but it sounded a heck of a lot closer. It sounded like, uh, at least comparable on tone and level. And if anything, maybe at the time was like a little bit brighter than running my guitar straight in. So I don't know. It was just like this funny uh, thing where I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe buffers aren't bad. And uh, true bypass is so misleading in the sense that it just, it sounds so good. Like if there's such a thing as true bypass, I got a hat, right? That saying, yeah, yeah. It just sounds so pure and wonderful. You know, it's not better in your circuit is definitely, uh, helped by well-placed and well-designed buffers Mm -hmm. in your circuit. You can run into issues. Like if you have like 12 boss pedals in a row, your, your bypass signal is going to be worse. And what happens in that scenario is, and this is what mainly I think people are talking about that don't like the sound of buffers or think that buffers sound bad, is when you run that many pedals in a row and they're each they're each boosting just a little bit and it starts compounding. It starts like mm-hmm. standing on top of each other and it just start, it adds like a little bit of hiss and distortion. Yeah. And in the same way that a distortion it starts chopping off a little bit of your signal. So it's, it's, that is probably more detrimental than just actual signal loss. Uh, and then there's, I mean, there's so many things I could talk about with buffers. Uh, I think <laughs> that they're incredibly useful in almost any guitar setup, even a small pedal board. I think they're incredibly useful. A lot of pedals already have them. Mm-hmm. And so knowing which ones have them, which ones don't, and then where to put those pedals, I think is super interesting. Cause you can look at, uh, there are certain pedals 
that almost need a buffer in front. One I can think of off the top of my head is the classic, like the Ernie Ball volume pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does way better with a buffer in front of it. You know, it just it just does. Uh, the otherwise, other thing, it's just a passive volume pedal that's going through, right? Yeah, and it's it does something. I you know, I need to look into uh, the specifics of what's going on, but it screws up your impedance. And I know if you use the tuner out on the top of it. Uh, especially with the single coil guitar, it messes with your signal yeah. in a detrimental way. But it's a lot better if you run a buffer in front of it, even if it, that buffer in front is like a boss tuner, uh, which is not like the most sought after buffer ever, but it's, it's a pretty well designed, well, you know, it's well, a well traveled circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of a buffer is converting your signal from high impedance to low impedance. So it is allowing, it's like, uh, it's taking your pedal. It, it's it's like a light boost, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, a- anytime you add any kind of circuitry to your guitar signal, it will change. It will change ever so slightly. And there, and that's why there are better ones. There are worse ones. There, and and more so than I'll say that. Even there are buffers that sound better to some people, and buffers that sound better to other people. You know, like yeah. I think it's like stylistic. Uh, I love when they reissued the Klon KTR uh, on the side. There's a switch so you can turn the buffer on and off. And for the on section of the buffer, it said almost always better. And then the off section is almost always worse. Uh And it's just kind of interesting. But there are certain scenarios where it will help you. There are certain pedals, especially Germanium-based fuzzes. Uh, There are certain fuzz pedals in general that just love a low impedance they they just they sound like different pedals with the guitar plug straight in uh than they do with a low impedance signal like that a buffer would give so even i'll tell people if you're using a fuzz to even try it before your tuner pedal if you have a boss tuner because it may react differently it may not you know uh and you That's can mainly an hear test, it yeah yeah you can easily hear it in the tone section like if you sweep the tone section of your fuzz pedal uh, if it sounds drastically different, then you can tell it's affecting it. And again, there's not a right and wrong. It's just making it different. If it sounds you know? good, it is good is what people Exactly. That's always, I, I, that's one of the most relieving things to ever hear. Now, it's totally, hard to I know and really stand on the fact that I know that that sounds good and I'm confident about that. That's the hard part. But It is. But if it sounds good, it is good. I mean, that's, that, that's the whole yeah. game. Uh, where do you put distortion in your signal chain? Like when you put uh, your pedal, I know you got a bunch on your, your pedal, and we'll, we'll go through your whole pedal board in a second, but in yeah, general, so I, how do you advise, because there's different philosophies on where your boosts and distortions should go. Yeah, I typically go uh, fuzz first, then boost, and then I from there I go uh, sequentially like in amount of gain from lowest gain to high gain. But what about other pedals that are not distortion, but that are drive? Pedals oh, and then of, so I put, I put all of the stuff. So like in in my circuit, I will I'll go fuzz preamp, and then and then I'll do overdrive, and then distortion. Mm-hmm. But you what know, about so delays and reverbs and stuff like that? Where oh, and then and then I always run all of those effects after everything. Uh, and again, there's not a right and wrong way to do it, especially with like modulations, uh, tremolo. Uh, chorus pedals, you know, there are things that some people might like before uh, 
before you're distorting your signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I prefer all of those effects after. See, I'm 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 confused on it because I think of the distortion should go last because it's like going to the amp. So it seems yeah. to me like the distortion ought to be the last thing on any chain. But I, in practicality, when I'm doing it, I don't find that to necessarily be the case. So I've got I go into a pog first because I want to hit the envelope uh-huh. or whatever I'm going to do there. If I make an octave, I want that to happen as if it was coming out of my guitar kind of thing but and then i liked it to go right into the boost right there is, mm-hmm. is what i'm really enjoying and then after yeah, that i'll do i i like the del- i think you need the del- the re- let's see what have i got right now i like to go to the delay before the reverb so okay. that that so that the yeah, delay can get yeah. reverbed out a little bit i was i had that backwards for a while and it was driving me crazy because i would try to i would do some reverb thing and then it would hit the delay but if the time was going on it it would just obscure the delay yes and, but now is, i get to have reverb trails on my delays which is sweet that is the uh that's the most traditional way to run mm-hmm. it is the way you're running right now well good and and yeah even uh with running uh any type of gain dirt pedal distortion boost whatever uh the idea of running one in front of delays and reverbs that that is quintessentially why guys that use a lot of delay usually also use distortion pedals rather than amp distortion yeah 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 so i have seen people i have friends that do specific things with a delay pedal where they will run a drive after it because they want to crunch the delays they Mm -hmm. want to like they're doing a certain thing yeah and they may have come upon it by accident um, but I have heard people use that in a really cool way, you know, where they're essentially are running distortion last. Uh, and you know, even like the, uh, like the whole shoegaze, uh, like thing that has happened. One of the main things that is a part of that sound is running a ton of reverb into a ton of distortion. Mm-hmm. So it's like running a reverb pedal into and and one of the most popular ones right now is the old boss heavy metal pedal that not the metal zone the metal HM2. zone is the first distortion pedal i ever heard yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like the boss hm2 is just this gross distorted 80s metal mm-hmm. pedal but when you run a ton of reverb into it it doesn't sound like that you know it sounds soft and uh kind of wispy yeah, almost you know I, so I, it's, I know what you mean That's so it's like it, there's no right and wrong to like it, it's like you said it's like it's like with anything with guitar tone like there's a more traditional way to run it and i think uh even like that that's where like effects loops started coming in, in the 80s cuz dudes were using delays and they're using it on like their marshall amp with a ton of gain on it and it sounded bad yeah. because they were distorting the delays right. where it sounded better to run it through the effects loops mm-hmm. and uh put the preamp first basically so it's like an interesting uh it's an interesting thing but yeah if you do see most guitar players and you know like the edge from u2 is the main one that comes up in people's mind he's like a big pedal guy he's like a big tube screamer guy he's a big you know he he's used all sorts of uh overdrive and fuzz pedals over the years and uh i think a lot of that is because he's super into delay you know (laughs) and like yeah he could have ran uh, you know, uh, effects loops on all of his amps. He can do whatever he wants at this point, you know, but uh, it's, 
I think I think it's interesting to see how that further feeds into the culture of like if you become a delay guy, you're kind of into the pedal culture, and then you also need to become an overdrive guy. You also need to become like a distortion pedal guy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like kind of this unique thing. Uh, and you know, I, again, I don't know. It's 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 a funny thing to to think of myself at 37 years old. And to be like, if I would, if you would have told me, you know, I was twenty that when I'm thirty-seven, I'd be selling distortion pedals. I'm like, yeah, you're crazy. Like Mm that's super weird, you know. Like uh, that's like a really odd thing. Um, And but I'm excited about it. I'm excited uh, what I've created. I'm excited about how it sounds. I'm excited that people seem to really like it so far. And I I realize, you know, I'm not telling myself that this is like some crazy new invention that no one, you know, it's funny that I have inventions in my name of my business because it's, it's a little bit of a shot at like the fact that no one has actually invented anything since some Japanese dudes in the seventies, you know, like, uh, but, uh, but think about that with it. That's, that's crazy though, because the innovations, I mean, think about cars, like the, the, yeah, yeah. you know, like they've been getting better at making Porsches and Fords yep. and every other thing every year they, they innovate and make them crazier and better and better and better. I mean, it's, you know, we don't need a new type of, I mean, I guess with Tesla, you know, now you've got a whole new yeah, type of type, thing, which is yep. pretty incredible, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty to do. That's what all of like human creativity and art does is just maximize all these iterations of things and turn them into beautiful things. I mean, you know, that's yeah. why communism is so lame. If you were a communist, they just have, yeah, distor- yeah. does it distort the thing? Okay. There's your distortion pedal. Yeah, yeah. We have all this just ability to people to create and these nuanced yeah, things I love and they that. make art with that. them and then they become valuable. It's amazing. Yeah. It's super cool. And so, yeah, I think that there are some things that I do on my pedal. I think that my pedal sounds entirely unique especially in the lower gain settings which is where i typically use it uh in in the things that i'm playing right now uh and in the lower gain settings i i think i feel most proud of that because we weren't planning on coming across this so one of the main thing one of the main changes we did to the rat as well is i'm only using about 120th of the amount of gain that a rat has oh wow Uh, and in changing that amount uh, we started noticing that it was changing a lot of other parameters of the pedal. It's changing a, a lot of things about the pedal, how it reacted and where it reacted. And uh, even what was happening when you turn the gain knob down, it was like, it was almost like it was opening up different sections that I had never heard before, like different entire like sections of the gain knob. Cause the rat has so much, like it's super saturated yeah, yeah. at one third. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and, and the rat does this thing, which I was trying like crazy to avoid. And I think that we did. Uh, but the rat does this thing where, as you turn up, you can inch up the gain just very, very little. And then you hit a point. And when you hit this point, and it's about 10 o'clock on most dials, uh, when you hit this point on the gain knob, you all of a sudden get your low end back. You all of a sudden, it sounds warm and big and clear. And then when you move it below that point, it just sounds really tinny and like thin and sucked out and just it is really bad sounding to me. Uh, and so that was always my goal was to just take that part of the knob out of the equation. Uh, but what we did by lowering the amount of, of potential gain uh, and also we lowered the, the minimum gain as well. But lowering the amount of potential gain opened up this whole other section of the pedal. So right now, when you're running my pedal 
basically anywhere below like halfway on the gain knob. It doesn't really sound like a rat to me because I've never I've never heard a rat sound right, like it doesn't that. do that well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. It it's almost like and I play it for people and I'm it's it's an interesting thing because people don't seem to be able to place what it sounds like. And I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, I don't know exactly what this sounds like. It doesn't I can't be like, oh yeah, that sounds like a tube screamer. That sounds like this boost pedal. That sounds like uh this distortion pedal. Uh I don't really know what it sounds like. It's kind of like boost-ish yeah. and overdrive-ish and also distortionist, but distortion-ish, but it's very clear and very uh like open and uh <laughs> just kind of like sweet sounding like i don't know how else to put it, it it's so hard the words are so hard for me you know warm, it literally to heavy, me fu- you know, it literally so- to me sounds sweet like mm-hmm. that's the best word that i can use to describe it and then also and then so from there from about maybe 11 o'clock to two o'clock on the dial it's that is traditional rat zone mm-hmm. uh, of my pedal and then when it gets higher than that especially all the way up uh it sounds really unique. It sounds like a fuzz, but it doesn't sound like a rat fuzz. It doesn't sound like a big muff. It doesn't sound like a lot of classic fuzz pedals. And what happens when you run the gain that high, uh, it's adding so much warmth and um, kind of like the idea of low end like like the point where you feel the low end, uh, people call it like perceived low end uh, when you add gain. So when you have that much gain, you can literally take the high cut knob all the way off on my pedal. And this is not something that I like on the Rat also, um, but you can turn it all the way in its brightest setting and it's very cool. It's very contained. It's very, it, it does not sound gross or disgusting or super harsh to me. That's awesome. But But it sounds unique. You know, so I feel like that that was like another setting that we kind of like stumbled upon and, uh, you know, kind of kind of the nature of my pedal, which is the case for a rat pedal, but more more so defined in mine is that when you move the gain knob. Basically, and I have this in the manual, which is funny, funny, even to include a manual on a three knob distortion pedal. Mm -hmm. But when you turn the gain knob up, it basically says as you turn the gain knob up, you're going to have to to keep that same sonic structure, you'll have to open up the cut knob. So yeah. add more high end as you add more gain. That's really interesting instead of the opposite and, of that. And that happens on a rat, uh, but on mine, it's way more noticeable. And so I don't know exactly why that is. I don't know exactly why changing the amounts of gain uh, was so uh, big in the making it into a different sound, mm-hmm. uh, but it did, and it's cool. So... Well, I cannot wait to try it. If you, if yeah, you man, get me I'd one. love to that'd send you be, one. Yeah. That'll be something for um, sure. Let's uh, let's just run it down. What's on your pedal board? I'll tell people mine because people always ask, and this is as good episode as any to do it. But I'll I'll tell what's on mine in the order best I can. I'm going straight into a tuner, and then I go to the Pog Two. I use and then yes. I use that into the Keeley Katana Clean Boost, and then that runs into a Strymon El Capistan delay uh which is man i love that and then i go to the fl- the flint strymon which is my favorite my 100 percent favorite pedal and the thing i, I do to that that makes me so happy is i have a expression pedal cooked to the decay time so i can make it Ooh. infinite on this super cool setting it has 
Whereas this warbly, pitchy reverb that lasts for as long as the eighty setting on it, and yeah, I can make yeah. that infinite until I want to change chords if I want to, and then I can just change the chord and dip the pedal and have it infinite, or I can pull it all the way back and it has a minimum value that's just like normal, a little bit of reverb. And that's super it tight. It is so much, so expressive and fun to play. But that's what I've got on my board right now, and that's it. How about you? I love it. Uh, one thing I got really into this like last year, but if you are ever if you ever start messing with fuzz. Try a fuzz into the pog because it does interesting things where the pog like doesn't know what to do with it uh-huh. because you start sending all this crazy stuff and it gets even more glitchy than it ever oh, was. Oh, I, I know what you mean. If you do so weird like, stuff on the front of it when it's trying to generate those other octaves, yeah, yeah. sometimes it misinterprets what it is. And it gets, gets crazy stuff. Blippy. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's really cool. Like if you're playing like a lead, especially like up in the upper region of the guitar if you're playing like a lead or something, uh, it just becomes this like massive sound. Uh, yeah, that I'll try is, that. Yeah. It's, it's hard to describe exactly what it does. Or even my pedal, I think, would be interesting before it, um, before the pog. But uh, man, hold on one sec. I'll be right back. I suppose you're going to look at your pedal board and, see, <laughs> and grab this pedal board so he can remember what's on it. Here it comes. It looks pretty big. <laughs> oh, hey there. All right. Yeah, sorry. I just got my pedal work. So I, I just I'm glad you had it right. sitting by. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's always out. Um, but yeah, I run I run two... Speaking of buffers, I run two Sur buffers. Um, and then the other cool thing about buffers, uh, which got I got into after getting into buffers, is... Uh, I like that the ones that can split signal and also flip phase. Mm-hmm. And that is what got me into running two amps on stage. Uh, because you can run the one amp, and if it's out of phase, you flip it really quickly uh, on the pedal and it doesn't become problematic. That's good. It also can send through like 50 feet of cable, you know, so if you're on yep. a big stage or something. Yep. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I have two sir buffers. I have one at the front and one at the end. That's the SUHR, that uh, guitar company. Um, and I really like that one. I think it sounds really unique and uh, good sounding. Um, so I have that, and I have it into a modified Ernie Ball volume pedal, which is um, has a TC Electronics tuner built into it. Nice. Uh, my buddy Roman from Schnubble Tone makes those, and they're really rad. Um, and then I actually, you know, I'm doing the thing that I told told people not to do, but both of these fuzzes. Uh, I actually like with a buffer going into it. So I'm going into uh, my buddy Christian has a company, Adventure Audio. It's called the Fuzz Peaks. And then I go into one of my best friends, Grant, has a pedal, uh, Big Ear. Uh, it's called Big Ear Pedals, and it's called the Loaf. And it's super rad fuzz. And then I have it going into my pedal, which is the DRV Distortion. Then I have the Union Tube, uh, tube and Transistor uh, More Boost, it's called. Uh, also, I think as far as I can tell, a take on the microamp. Um, and then I have a the 81 Tube Screamers on my board, but I have been switching it out with the Bondi Breakers Overdrive, which is amazing. The Bondi FX Sickaz, the Whiteface uh, 1985 Rat, and then it goes to the second row where it's Boss Slow Gear, Boss Vibrato, Boss Dimension C, all from the 80s. Oh, nice. And those are all super fun. Um, the... Then from there, pro- one of my favorite new pedals is the Dr. Scientist BitQuest, and it does nine different effects, a bunch of like glitchy stuff. Uh, it does 
uh, fuzz on any of the effects. It sounds amazing. It does a great flanger. Uh, but the main thing that I fall in love with it is actually the reverb on it. And I use it for this just like full underwater reverb. And it is probably, to, it's to me, the most beautiful digital reverb I've ever heard. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, then from there, but I have it in an odd place for a reverb. So I really only use that reverb when it's by itself. Um, but it's, it is that kind of effect that you can do that. And then I have it going to the Spaceman Voyager uh, Tremolo, which is a um, kind of like, it, it is a very interactive uh, type of tremolo uh, in speed and depth. Uh, as far as like how hard you're playing, it reacts differently. Um, super cool. Into the Chase Bliss Tonal Recall. Uh, like super fun uh, analog delay. Um, a ton of great stuff. Into the Caroline Kilobyte which is an awesome digital delay with like an 8-bit kind of distortion. Uh, into This is a new one I just got. This is my newest pedal. It's the Quiet Theory uh, Prelude. It's a delay and reverb. Do you know Brian Lawrenson from yeah. Copa? Yeah, Brian. It's his pedal. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. That's Do you awesome. know he was doing pedals? No, I didn't know he was doing pedals. Yeah, so he's uh, he started this company like, I don't know, like a year and a half ago or so. And it is... Uh, I mean, if you know Brian, his aesthetic is just unbelievable. And, yeah. you know, it feel, like when you're opening this pedal, it feels like you're opening like an Apple product or oh, something. It's What's just, it called in his company? Uh, his company is called Quiet Theory. Okay. And his pedal is called the Prelude, and it is a delay and reverb, and it does a lot of fun stuff. It's a lot of fun to play. Um, there are like infinite settings and hold settings, and uh, I highly recommend it. I think it's a... Really, really well thought out pedal, and you know the funny thing and, about and do an episode. the funny thing about his pedal is that it uh, it kind of goes along with his personality like really <laughs> well. In that it's it's very subtle. It's I, very I'm like good it sounding. Beautiful, yeah, yeah, and it just looks awesome. But it uh, even to the sonic quality of it, you know, it's not over the top reverb. It's not like this crazy weird modulated delay. But they're both like subtly great, you know, like uh, like a good pair of jeans or you know, like a pair of shoes, you mm -hmm. know, like they're just like really, it's really well thought out, really well designed, really well built, and uh, I have a lot of fun playing. I just picked one up uh, a few weeks ago. So, and then the last pedal is the uh, Tomcat Daydreamer, which is a also a delay and reverb. Uh, and that one also has a hold function uh, for that infinite kind of thing. Oh, I'm good. I'm super into the hold function yeah. on like all those things. So like the entire I'm looking across the entire bottom of my board, which is fuzz, two delays, and two delay slash reverbs, and they all have hold functions. Yeah, yeah. So like the entire bottom of my board is like yeah, it just uh, gets your foot involved in a different way. Instead of switching, yeah. you're using the pedals to like I don't know, it's a different kind of a thing. Like especially when you're walking off or doing an encore between songs. Totally, There's so totally. many applications that are just purely functional. You know, you uh -huh. can let a trail go over on hold and tune something while this before the singer stops, so you can let out stuff like that. Yeah, super fun, man. Um, so Incredible. yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, definitely hit up Brian. His stuff is Yeah, well, uh, I will. I should talk he's, to him. That'd be great. He uh he lives just uh a few miles away from me and he's he's been incredibly helpful just just even in helping me figure out how to set up my business, how to like uh source parts, how to like figure out some things just cuz he's got a bit of a jump on me as far as actually releasing a product. So What are you going to make um, next? 
Well, I'm working on a uh, boost pedal, as we talked about, <laughs> uh, which is actually just part of my my mm-hmm. pedal. Uh, but I'm not going to use that because I ended up changing the the characteristic of uh, my amp or, or or of the boost to make the rat sound better, to make this distortion sound better. So what I'm what I'm trying to do is uh, do a boost, and uh, I'm actually leaning toward uh, doing a circuit that is more like a Marshall Plexi type front end nice. uh, as as a boost. Uh, so that's that's something I've been working on, and then. Uh, I've got some super fun ideas also, uh, as far as overdrive and other effects. Um, I want to do a fuzz. I want to do, you know, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it all. And I I always want to keep that kind of like vintage, uh, mindset, um, with the pedals, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really stoked on it. Well, thank you for spending time and getting into it today and getting, I think this is going to make everybody want to go get their pedal board out or go try a new one out. I love that. Yeah. Buy yours, whatever it is. They can sign up and wait till you have more in, right? Because you're out of stock. Yeah, exactly. I'm out of stock at the moment. I'm going to try to build up uh, another batch of them and really drop them as soon as I can get the enclosures here. Uh, so, so you, if y'all, if anybody gets one, it seems that you'll be lucky to do so. So you will, you will be get on the uh, email list and, yeah, and be yeah. ready is, is the way to do it. If you want to get your yep. hands on one of these puppies, and I think hopefully yep. I'm lucky enough to to be in line. So that's good. I'll, I'll put you on there, Matt, Matt yeah. Carter. I'll put you. I on. appreciate that. Um, this is great. I think it'll really make people excited to to play and inspire them. Just talking about it makes me want to play. So I hope awesome, you man. had that, that effect. And then the people that think this shit's boring, they've been gone for the last hour. So. Yeah, they uh, they don't even. Yeah, they're not even here. <laughs> they're not even here, so don't worry about it. Um, all right, I appreciate. It. Hold that pedal board up. I'm gonna take a picture of it. And uh, oh my goodness, I'm gonna take a picture of it to show people when it's I real when I put put this episode out. All right, see you, hoops. See you, man. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s, and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!